Welcome to the nest. Um, thank you, Morgan, for the clap. That makes me feel really encouraged. Um, love that you guys are all here and getting food and all that kind of stuff. Keep on doing that and then find a seat. Um, if you've never been here, welcome. We're so fired up you guys are here. Um, we are just a group of moms that are going to come together and um, just listen to mothers that have gone before us talk about how to nurture encourage, strengthen, and train their kids um, in the next generation. And so thank you for trusting us with your time. Um, If you've never been to Watermark, this thing says Discover Watermark, and it just flipped, but that's okay because we're learning how to do the scroll announcements. Anyway, Discover Watermark is a place you can come if you've never been to our church and just learn about the values and what we hold dear here at Watermark. And so that'll be January 6th, and registration for that will be on our website after Thanksgiving. Um, so we would encourage you, if you've never been here, just to um, find out more about us and all the ministries we have to offer, you can come to Discover Watermark. Um, and or just ask your table leaders because they kind of know. Um, um, also hands and feet. Um, yes, just click it on that one. Okay. So this month y'all all got the little, um, sheet when you walked in, we have them every month. Um, it's basically clean out your clothes. Um, your kids are going to get a lot of, I was about to say junk stuff for Christmas. And so, um, might as well clean out and give to others. And so, um, there's a great questions on there. And then also, um, there's a group of mamas that are going to be taking some jackets to Sigler, which is the school that we support. And so um, next month, we'll meet on the maybe 14th. Um, can y'all believe it's December next month? Ugh. Anyway, okay. So it's December next month, y'all. And so when you come, if you've got some jackets or maybe you got an awesome jacket for your kid and they're like, I don't like that color. And you're like, why, what is wrong with you? Let go of the jacket and just bring it and give it to some kid who will actually like it. Um, maybe that's happened in my house. I don't know. And so bring us some jackets. We've got some mamas here that want to take them up to, um, a school that needs them. Um, other announcements, hands and feet, discover watermark. Oh, they're like telling me. Okay, I don't have a, you know what? I looked for a slide, couldn't find it. But y'all just imagine a big cup of coffee behind me. There's this thing called the Christmas coffee that we do here at Play-Doh. I I think what we discovered, it's December 9th. It's on a Saturday morning from 9 to 12. There's like jolly stuff going on. There's coffee for sure. And someone who's just going to encourage your heart. And it's just women. So how fun is that? So take a break. Register for that. Go on our website. What is that? One, two. That's eight. It is the eighth. Not on a Sunday morning, but on a Saturday morning. We don't, we're not going to cancel church for women coffee. (laughs) That'd be awesome though. (laughs) Anyway, dad, you're out in the lobby. (laughs) Good luck. Okay. um, Okay. Now I'm going off. Okay. I should have told y'all this at the beginning, but y'all know that we've got like three campuses. We're about to, when we get a fourth campus for Frisco, we're just going to be, you know, North taking over North Texas. Just joking for those that are just here for the first time. Um, so in that, when we have the nest and we have y'all register for training ground, our ask for you guys is not to register for every nest in the DFW area. 
And the reason that is, it's not that you can't come to the nest, it's that we don't want you to be using training ground at all of the nests because it kind of is like double dipping. Y'all know what I'm saying? So if you go to Dallas and the next week you're like, I'm going to Plato. And you come here and your kids are registered for both. That just takes the place of someone else who's never been. And the great thing is, is that we have a podcast where all of this stuff gets posted. Okay. So um, today, if you're like, I don't like what Emily said, you can just listen to see what they said at Dallas. Right, Emily? It's encouraging, isn't it? Um, (laughs) I'm joking. Emily's awesome. So um, anyway, I just want to let y'all know, we're not trying to be meanies. Like, don't come here if you ain't there. We're We're not saying that. We're just saying, hey, consider others. Our training ground, it's like the place to be. All the kids want to be there. It like fills up an hour. It's pretty awesome. And so in that, let's just respect. And if we're going to all the different places, choose one campus to go to, listen to the rest of the podcasts, okay? Um, is there anything? Oh, and make sure you get the monthly newsletters and check Plano so that you can sign up right away when you get it, where you can get in. Um, okay. Do I have anything else? I think I did it. Okay, we have, we're gonna bring back mom moment because who doesn't like a good mom moment? Oh, wow. Okay, yay, we love mom moment. Okay, so today we are gonna bring up Kelly Rutherford because she's awesome. So we can put up her picture and see her sweet family. For those of y'all don't know, we love mom moment. And what mom moment is, is just a time where um, we highlight a mama, maybe a couple mamas, um, and just their journey. And I kind of give them leeway to say, hey, where, what's God doing for you? You can tell a funny story. You can encourage us. You can go deep. So that's basically the conversation I had with Kelly. So I'm excited like y'all are. <laughs> Good morning, ladies. Oh, hi. Do a little mic check. Um, so my name's Kelly Rutherford. I serve here at The Nest as a table leader. Um, I do women's Bible study on Wednesday mornings, which is amazing, um, as well as re-engage our church's marriage ministry um, if you want to grow in your marriage with your husband. And um, that meets here in this room on Monday nights at this campus. So I'm married to Paul, and uh, we have three kids. Everett is my energetic, rough-and-tumble six-year-old. Um, he told me recently he wants to be a pastor and a scientist. Um, and so an example of that is he lovingly reminded me when I was seeking forgiveness after raising my voice in anger at him. I came back to him and I was like, I need to own that. And he let me know that I forgot to put on my Jesus coat. Um, and I love that. Like, that's absolutely Colossians 3.12. Like, clothe yourself with your Jesus coat. Um, and then my four-year-old, Emery, It's my free-spirited songstress. Um, And if you've been around the nest, my my story that I was like, I have to share this. If I ever get to do a mom moment, I have to put this one in. Um, But my story with her is, if you've ever listened to Mary Flo Ridley or heard of her, she's kind of trains us mamas um, here at the nest um, to use real words for anatomy when training your kids and how to talk to your kids about sex and things like that. So um, while my sweet daughter decided that she was going to use the word penis as a cuss word as a two-year-old. And so, you know, nobody told me that might happen, but in moments of frustration, she would be like, penis. Um, And it happened pretty much the entire year. So I just want you to be warned here that that could happen. I don't think um, I would have changed, you know, my decision to teach her those words, but I'm just here to tell you it can happen to you too. So um, 
just be warned. That's what the nest is for, to kind of give you warnings at times. Um, and then when she was three, um, I clung to the desperate hope of the phrase, three is a season. <sighs> okay, so I chose to believe by faith those mom friends that I reached out to that told me it'll get easier when she turns four. And praise Jesus, they were right. Okay, so she's four now. Yeah, I'm gonna clap for that. Um, and I started practicing telling her during that season, and I still do, like reminding her who she is in Christ, what God says about her out loud over her in those moments of desperation as a mom, like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, you are God's special treasure. Um, God loves you. And this practice just really helped me from believing the worst about my daughter on those dark days um, and those tough training moments when I really needed to keep my Jesus coat on. Um, okay, and then Ellis is my precious 20-month-old. He has a genetic condition in which he was born with um, crooked hands, crooked feet. Um, you would say clubbed feet at birth. And so the Lord provided amazing treatment for him from when he was two weeks old. And we go every three months now um, at Scottish Rite. And by God's grace, he learned to walk at 17 months. And soon after that, he learned to dribble a soccer ball. So he's doing wonderfully and um, it's just, he's such a joy. Um, so I joined my current community group in January of 2017, just a few weeks before Alice was born. And these relationships, we're talking about the gift of relationships today, were just such a provision to me um, and a means of grace in my life. And God used these women to really sanctify me in my motherhood uh, in the best way over these past two years. Um, and so I remember like my first play date, um, kind of an extended play date as long as I could, you know, maybe over an hour. Um, the kids were in the backyard and... Um, it just really exposed my insecurity as a mom, just comparing what my kids are doing to what their kids were doing. And wow, their daughters are like so sweet with each other. And here's my bully child um, and, and my bully daughter and like just comparing them. And so the lies I believed that day um, after, you know, that play date was my kids are the bully kids stirring up all the strife during our play date. I'm a complete failure as a mom. I can't come to extended play dates because my kids are just too much. And so something's wrong with me and I'm too much. That's some of where my head was. And so I came to a community group, this new group of moms a few days later, and I just cried and I was just a bucket of tears about how the play date went. And like I confessed to my sweet new sister friends how I felt about my kids and my parenting. And um, they had such an opportunity in that moment to live out 1 Thessalonians 5.14, which says, um, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, and this is the part um, that they really lived out for me. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. And um, they reminded me of who I am in Christ, um, and they continue to do that, that my kids are beautiful, precious gifts when I have a different record playing about who my kids are. Um, and they were willing to co-labor with me in shepherding my kids and in training them up in the way they should go. And I've just been gifted with relationships that um, expose these lies in me. And these sisters live out 1 Thessalonians 5.14 in my life. And if you don't have those relationships in your life, just take that next step to find faithful women who will meet you with grace and point you to um, the God who sees you and loves you in your worst mom moment. So don't forget, put on your Jesus coat and have a great week of worship. Jesus. Sorry. I was about to say Jesus coat. I love it. Okay. Um, okay. So thank you, Kelly. Y'all, she's 
all over this campus. So don't be shy. Go up to her. Introduce yourself. She's super fun. And um, what I love about her is that you feel like she's all there when she talks to you. And so um, just feel really loved by that. So, um, all right. So Emily Thomas is our speaker. Y'all, she has just become a sweet friend of mine since um, we started the Plano campus. And I just love her, and um, I'm going to be, spoiler alert, she has a podcast. I don't know if she's going to mention this, but I will. It's called The Struggle Well Project, and so um, used to be mom struggling well, but she had a problem with moms or something, so she dropped that. Um, just joking. No, she just really kind of wanted to expand that and blow it out of the water because we all struggle. And so um, you can listen to her podcast. She's not going to promo that, but I will. Um, And be encouraged as she interviews moms and their stories and where they are and what God's doing, just to kind of get more Jesus out there. Um, So anyway, so I'm just fired up. She took time to come talk to us and talk to us about relationships. I've seen her build relationships in so many different environments, in church, in her neighborhood, um, literally, like, globally, because she, like, talks to people all over because of her podcast. And so um, she's really kind of a master at this. So we were really excited to have her come talk. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then Emily's going to come on up here. Lord, thank you for our time today. Just thank you for Emily, and thank you for um, who she is, how you made her to be, and that you can just speak through her today. Um, I just pray us moms just can listen, relax, and be encouraged and strengthened. Um, it's your sons and we pray. Amen. Don't y'all love this globe? Don't y'all want to know what it's about? So mysterious. <laughs> okay. Oh man, that's quite an introduction. Is this, I think it's on. Can you hear me? I can't. You cannot. Can you now? Can you now? Can you now? No? Yes? Still nothing? Something. I feel like I can hear something now. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Okay, so this um, was actually, I don't know if I showed this picture last year, but Glamour Shots reached out to me and wanted to do a family session, and having a Glamour Shot was one of my life goals. Anyway, so this is our Glamour Shot. I put it in black and white because I put so much mom makeup on my child, my daughter. Um, anyway, but then it got, it got stolen and become... It, it got used in a GoFundMe account, so some guy was trying to... I think he only raised 20 bucks. Anyway, <laughs> how rude. I feel like that picture should at least get like 100 bucks. Anyway, okay, people were writing me and saying, your husband's a veteran? I'm like, no. Oh, well, online he's a veteran. He needs money. Anyway, whatever. Okay, not what I came here to talk about. So, um, yes, these are my kids. They're both adopted. We had six years of infertility and... Um, and then we adopted two kids. And I was a teacher, and then when we dealt with infertility, I ended up going back to nursing school because I had time I didn't expect to have. And then as soon as I became a nurse, we had two kids through adoption. So um, then I, motherhood was not as fun as I had hoped. Um, and it wasn't them, it's me. And um, turns out that I thought I could just control and try harder and get up earlier and... Um, and make it not be so terrible. And it turns out God had a lot of changing in me that he wanted to do. And so that's kind of where the podcast came from was just a desperate cry for help to ask other moms, how is it that you're not running away from home? And God has blessed it into like a community. So that's, if you listen to podcasts, there's a lot of really smart women on there. So I encourage you to, to do that if you listen to podcasts. So um, 
Yeah, in seventh grade, I was ridiculously popular. Like it was so, so, it was such a good year for me. Um, in eighth grade, I just made a misstep. I said something about one girl. It got around and I, we all, everyone gossiped. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying I was not the only one in seventh grade talking a little smack. Um, and so in eighth and ninth grade, I had like zero friends. I was legit shunned from everywhere and it was very lonely. And I remember it very, you know, it's, it, I feel it still because that's like the first time that I was like, oh my gosh, I have no one. And it's, it's really hard when you're in junior high and that's a big deal. So I was really lonely. Um, and then things like slowly built back up and it was fine. But then in, high, in college, I went away to college and my dad, I remember where I was when he told me like, hey, I've been an alcoholic your whole life. And all of a sudden, things snapped into focus that never had kind of made sense my whole life. I was one of those kids growing up in an alcoholic home where I was like, I didn't know. Some people can tell from a mile away if someone's had one drink, if you've raised, been raised in that, but I was like oblivious. So I just thought he was like always really happy. I didn't really know. And so anyway, I just remember feeling so lonely in that moment that um, I was at this Christian college and even though it wasn't true, I thought nobody could identify with where I was coming from. So even though I was surrounded by people that were like me, I was completely, I felt really lonely. It was just what I was telling myself, that I was alone. Um, and then fast forward, again, I have friends, I don't feel lonely. Um, at 26, my husband had this really great idea to move to Asia and be a missionary. And I went, um, it wasn't my idea of a good time, but it was great, and God used it, and it was, it, was, it was amazing. But I felt so lonely. I couldn't, I was dealing with infertility. I started dealing with some depression, and I just, I was living in the most populated place on the actual planet, and I felt so alone. I could not find, like, a friend that, like, really, like a friend for my heart type of a thing, like that girlfriend that you're like, oh, I get what you're thinking. You don't even have to say it, you know, type of thing. I just felt really lonely. So I know I'm not the only one who has seasons of incredible loneliness. Um, people in general are lonely. It's even, it's being called an epidemic now. Um, communication now is easier than ever. It's faster than ever. But real connection is hard to come by. Um, Cigna, the health company, did a survey of 20,000 Americans, 18 and older. And they did a research on loneliness, and they named it the Loneliness Index. Um, and 46% said they feel alone and left out. Um, 43% said they feel their relationships are not meaningful. They feel isolated. 27% rarely or ever feel understood. And 20% rarely feel close to people. And they're not even sure if there are people that they can talk to. So... Um, I know I'm not alone with feeling lonely. And I know that you too can identify that there's times when you just feel lonely, even when you're surrounded by people. Um, and so we all have feelings about relationships. And so when I say community, some things might happen inside your brain. Um, some, of us, some of us want community, but we can't quite find it. And we have been searching. It is not for lack of trying, but we do not feel like we have a community. Um, some of us have it, but we don't like what we have. Those people are annoying. <laughs> and what is wrong with them? And why can't they get it right? Um, but some of us don't have it, but we know we should have it. Like you should get your oil changed and you should go to the woman doctor every year. But it's like, I don't want to, but I should. Um, 
And if you're a Watermark person, you understand that community is a big deal. Um, and so if you have a great community and you have no problems, you're a liar. But if you have great community, then think about this when you consider how you can love your neighbors and things like that. And if you, um, if you have a community and you're struggling, then I would love for you to kind of apply some of these things to your actual community group. Um, and if you're not from Watermark and you don't have community, just apply it to whoever. You're free. Um, so what does God have to say about our relationships? Hebrews 10.24 says, let us, not, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's why um, I got this. It's not a crystal ball. We are not about to have a seance. It is a snow globe. Um, but I realize it looks a little magical, but it's not. Um, it is what I thought of when I thought of this verse. Like, we have to stir up things and it was neat because I was, um, as usual, running behind, and I thought, I need a snow globe stat. And the snow globe that popped up on the Google machine was one that inside said love. So this verse, throw up one another to love, and this is a snow globe. It says love inside. I'm like, oh, God, that's so neat. So anyway, what this teaches us, what this verse teaches us, things only need to be stirred up if they naturally are going to settle, right? Um, Paul wouldn't have had to say to stir up something that remained stirred up in our hearts. We also don't need reminding to not neglect things that come natural. Nobody has to tell me, Emily, don't neglect to go into the anthropology and see what's on that sale rack every time you drive by one. I do not have to tell my kids not to neglect to have 19 snacks before dinner. We don't have to be told to not neglect things that we don't neglect. So Paul is telling us here, you got to stir it up and you got to not neglect it. Community is important, okay? So why is it that it needs stirring up? Why are good relationships not effortless? It's because these three reasons. This is scientific. Relationships are awkward. <laughs> they're inconvenient and they're disappointing. So when I, looked, when I thought about this, I mean, nobody does awkward better than Michael Scott. When we were kids, we could be friends with anybody. We didn't know their name. We knew nothing about them, but we knew they were our best friend in the entire universe. Um, when we got older, though, things got weird, right? Um, we love watching awkward moments on, you know, every Michael Scott, like, meeting that he holds is like, oh, a disaster waiting to happen. Candid camera, you're watching people in awkward situations. Meet the parents. Have you seen, I was watching that last night, the meet the parents when he's praying and he doesn't know what he's saying and it's just ridiculous, it's a train wreck. Napoleon Dynamite, we love awkward. But when we're involved in awkward, we wanna get right out of there as fast as we can. It's a train wreck. Um, but God says community's important. So why is it so awkward? It's awkward because we're focused on us. It's pride. That's why we're concerned with awkward. So I wanted to tell you some tips for getting over the awkwardness that comes with relationships. Um, I don't know where this came from, but the idea of being not here I am, but there you are. Those are the kind of people that are past awkward. People that are there you are people. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So Jesus was a there-you-are person. He really saw people. 
I wanted to give you some examples. We know that woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Other people would say, unclean, outcast, don't touch me. She had been spent all her money on trying to get well, so she was incredibly poor. But Jesus called her daughter. He called out her true identity. He wasn't worried about what people, you know, what she appeared to be. He knew who she actually was. So he saw her, there you are. Um, Though he openly marveled at the faith of the centurion in Matthew 8, he praised Mary for sitting at his feet instead of Martha, which I still struggle with that because I'm like, who was going to make the food? But it's fine. It's fine. Um, I get it. I get the heart behind it. Um, and then he praised the woman who washed his feet with, with her tears. He said, there you are. I see you. Um, in my life, I had two in college when I said that things kind of went tricky with my dad. Um, I had a, a male professor who, I don't even remember why, but he, for some reason, knew that I didn't grow up in a situation where I knew what a family was supposed to look like or a marriage or anything. And so he would bring me around his family and his wife and his kids. And anytime they went and did something, he, they brought me. And like, it was just a really great, it felt like an internship on regular. And so anytime I wanted to, I could come over and ask them questions about boys or whatever. So they were like my people who saw me, um, and it was really made a difference. And then also there was um, my dorm mom who really just took it upon herself to love me in the middle of just this hard, hard time. Um, and, and she just discipled me and nurtured me in ways that my mom wasn't able to do. And so those people saw me and they took it upon themselves to speak life to me and it made such an impact to my life. Um, and so another reason to be a there you are person is that our words have power. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That was a lot of power because we all got tongues. So we all have a lot of power. So we can speak life. We can call out the good that we see in people we can call it the good that we see in our kids, even if it's buried real deep, real deep. Um, an example of Jesus doing this, he had an, a disciple named Simon, and he was like the first example of a hot mess, I think. Um, and he changed Simon's name, which Simon literally means flighty pigeon. Um, <laughs> It's impressive. He changed his name to Peter, which means a rock, and he said the church is going to be built on you. He was not currently a rock when he called him Peter. He was still such a Simon, but he called him Peter. So we need to call out what we see as the potential in people, especially in our kids, because um, our words have power. So think of the people in your life who have really seen you. When you're at your worst, they know what God has put in there, and he, they want to help you get to bringing it out. Those people make such an impact in your life, and you have the opportunity to be that in your relationships. A second tip for getting over awkward, other than to just be a there you are person, is to ask questions. Jesus asked so many questions. What I love, though, is that homeboy knew everything. He wasn't asking because he didn't know. He was asking not for information, but for their transformation. So we can ask questions, not for information, but for transformation. He wanted to draw them out. He wanted the people he was talking to to think deeper about things. He wanted them to see things differently. So he asked questions. And a fact is that people really like you if you ask questions. They really, really do. Um, at the end of every podcast interview that I do, when I've interviewed someone for an hour, 
they say without fail. That was so fun. Of course it was fun. It was the you show. I talked about you and asked you questions for an hour. Of course, you're your favorite person. People love when you ask them questions. Um, And especially though, follow-up questions are really important. A 2017 study found a consistent um, connection between asking questions and people liking you, and especially follow-up questions. They also found in a kind of a speed dating research they did, I'm not sure why they're researching that, but that's fine, that's interesting. Um, The more follow-up questions you ask, the more second dates you got. So if you ever find yourself in a dating situation, ask follow-up questions. So The reason that asking questions is important is that it shows the other person has value, right? And Romans 12, 10 says, we're to love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So being a there you are person instead of here I am um, and asking questions, it really shows value to the other people um, and it works on anybody. It can work on coworkers, your community group, your neighbors, your husband, your children. You're not worried about awkward anymore, and they get to know how valuable they are. So everybody wins, okay? So the reason we need to stir one another up is because relationships are awkward, but they're also inconvenient. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> relationships are inconvenient. We love convenience, I mean, and Stanley has never been more inconvenient. He's inconvenienced by everybody. I love Stanley. Um, we we want to lose weight without changing our diet. We don't want to exercise. We just want to lose weight. We um, we get things delivered from Amazon like the very same day. Sometimes we um, there are express church services that guarantee you'll be in and out in 45 minutes. Like we don't even have time to like actually do church all the way. Um, There's drive-up church services now where you can like stay in your pajamas and bring your animals or something. I don't even know, but it's a thing. So just know we love convenience, but relationships are inconvenient. So that's kind of a problem. I wanted to tell you that in my relationships, I have been blessed with, I love my community group. I love my, none of them are here. So what is that? (laughs) Um, No, but I, I am really blessed with fantastic group of neighbors. And so um, in my relationships, there's things that I find very convenient. Um, We do this bridesmaid party um, once a year because we realized we were not in each other's weddings, but it would have been so fun if we had been. And so we go to the Goodwill and we get like a really nasty bridesmaids for us. And we go to Walmart and get bouquet of flowers. And we just like, everybody brings, you know, something to drink and something to eat. And we just like have a party and like pretend like we're, I know it's silly. It's silliness, but it's so fun. Very convenient. Um, We do Christmas in July where we take gingerbread cookies and put little swimsuits on them. We decorate them with swimsuits and we do like a gift exchange. And that's so fun. I have time for that. It's convenient. Um, On my birthday, we have a progressive dinner party. Um, My birthday's on New Year's Eve. So it's like a six hour just extravaganza where we're at everybody's houses for like an hour and it's amazing. Um, We do things that I find incredibly inconvenient. Like my friends love, one time we made um, out of scrapbook paper wings like, why are we making wings? We're grown-ups. I don't understand this. They like making flower crowns. I don't have time for that. I do it, but I don't like it. Um, they love summer because they're school teachers, and I love not summer because I'm not a school teacher, and I want my kids to be in school. Um, and so they have a summer forever party every year. And I say, I will go, but I will call it summer for never. 
And they're like, okay, that's fine. So I get inconvenienced by them. My com community group girls, we meet every Saturday at 6.45. That is so inconvenient. I don't love it. I do it because it's good for us, but it's inconvenient. Well, we just recently last year, or last week camped out um, in my neighborhood. I usually get out of it every year, but my husband had surgery and I had to go. That was inconvenient, but it was fun, but I did it. Watching other people's kids, oh my gosh, don't ask me to watch other people's kids. If I, if I volunteer, you know I love you hard. If I'm gonna ask to volunteer to watch your kids. Group texts, I wanna throw my phone in the toilet. I do not like group texts, they're inconvenient. Um, one real life inconvenience that really happened recently was that we had our New Year's Eve party last year. It was great. We were on track to have an amazing time. But then one by one, everybody dropped out except me. So now I've got a literal six-hour party at my house where I, it was not, and it was my birthday. No, it was inconvenient, but it still happened, and it was still fun. My house has been inconvenienced by my relationships. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. I've had new plants depotted that had just been potted now no longer in the pots. Um, the wood floor has been pulled up by children in um, our community group. What? How do you do that? How do you even do that? I've had tile pulled off of the wall in the shower. Like, we have babysitters. I don't understand what's happening. But it happens. Um, I had a person come in and open an energy drink, accidentally drop it. It hit the ground and spewed like a sprinkler all over my formal dining room. Oh my goodness gracious. And he was on my nerves anyway, so I'm like, what? <laughs> it was not good. So here's the deal though. If relationships were just about fun, then inconvenience would be a great reason to not have relationships. But they, relationships are our primary means of showing the love and the hope that we found in Christ. Um, and as uncomfortable as it is, relationships are a way for us to let other people love us back. And we, some of us, love to bring a casserole to everybody who ever needed a casserole ever. Um, but we don't like for people to love us back. And we need to not be so prideful that we need to let other people love us. And we need to be inconvenienced and love other people. Um, I have a secret, though, that I've discovered is that the difference between inconvenient and inconvenient is your perspective. That's all it is. And so um, when we think relationships are inconvenient, that's kind of on us. And I'm talking to myself here because I'm so inconvenienced <laughs> by relationships. Um, when relationships feel too inconvenient, though, I wanted to look at the example of Jesus. Yep. He left a perfect, glorious heaven to rescue us from the crushing weight of our sin. I would consider that inconvenient. He was murdered for us after that um, because it was the only way to make a way for us back to God. He was murdered for you. Inconvenient, right? Before he died, though, this is what he said. John 15, this is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friend if you do what I command you. I think most of us in this room would say we're God's friends. But how willing to be inconvenienced are we? Like, really? Also, he didn't say, this is my advice, or studies have shown, or right now it's all the rage to. He said he commanded us to love other people. It's a straight-up command. And then he modeled it, like any good leader does, by going first. 
So you might be thinking, well, that's Jesus. Come on, fully God, fully man. That's not fair. So let's look at Paul, okay? How about that? He was just fully man and a bad man for quite a while trying to kill Christians. But when God got a hold of his heart, he was changed, and he was imprisoned multiple times. He had countless beatings, nearly to death. I don't know about you, but if I was beat up for the gospel, I'd remember how many times. But he had been beat up so many times, he didn't even remember. He didn't even remember. He was thrown over the walls. He was hungry and thirsty. Are we even willing to be hungry and thirsty for the gospel? The other day, I was driving um, by a woman. She was a homeless woman, and she was... um, you know, asking for food or whatever. And I had a granola bar and I was very happy to give it to her whatever. And she said she was hungry and she took it. But I realized though, I was on my way home where I have like a parcel of granola bars. Would I have done that if that had been my lunch and I was not heading home? You know what I mean? Like we just got to really think how willing are we to be inconvenienced, even just with hunger and thirst. I'm not even talking about throwing over walls and stuff. And you might be thinking, okay, but Paul was like a wild missionary man who was obsessed with sharing the gospel. I want to tell you, though, that Matthew 28 was given to him and us, same exact charge. He was charged with a great commission to go and make disciples. Not a different one, not a higher one, not a more supercharged one. Same one. Same one. So granted, though, being hit with rocks and thrown over the walls, that's not the goal, That's not the goal. But we need to come to grips with the fact that not sharing the source of life because it's inconvenient, I don't think that's gonna go over very well when we're we're done with this life. I don't wanna stand before the guy who told me to do it and then modeled it for me and say, I just really couldn't be bothered though, you know? Like, I don't know. I just, when I think about it in that way, I'm, I'm much more interested in being inconvenienced. What I'm not saying, though, because I know some of you will say, well, then I need to always do anything anybody ever asks forever and ever, amen. Um, That's not what I'm saying. You can look at Jesus' life and see he modeled um, balance. There was a lot of times where he was away, there was solitude, he rested. And so he had boundaries, and you can have boundaries too. But sometimes we know when our boundaries are just to make us comfy and cozy and when we should be a little bit more willing to be inconvenienced. So... I wanted to give you some practicals for managing inconvenience that I found in my relationships. Number one, set a hard end time. Don't feel bad about that. For our Christmas in July party, I said, you may come from six to eight. Everybody's gotta be out by eight. I don't wanna see your people's faces at 8.01. And they appreciate that. People like to know, like people like structure and boundaries. It's not being mean to to have them. Do it in your front yard. I have a picnic table in my front yard and People can come over, and then when I, I don't even have to clean my house, and when I'm done, you're welcome to stay. I will not call the cops for trespassing. I'm going inside. It's fine. It's fine. Do a potluck. I love a clean out your fridge party, where the only rule is, come for dinner, you may not go to the store. Bring whatever weird stuff you've got. Carrots and peanut butter, whatever. It's so funny. It's weird. No one will die. And it really lowers the expectations, and it's not inconvenient. It's actually really fun. So in my life, sticking around for inconvenient relationships has shown me how prideful that I really am. I honestly, when people inconvenience me, I think I'm better than them. I think my, what's important to me is more important than what is important to them. Um, so it's really helping me to lay down my preferences and, and be humble. It also helps me see new ways of doing things uh, that I never would have known that I really like if, if I hadn't been inconvenienced by relationships. 
Okay, so their awkward relationships are, relationships are inconvenient, and we also have to stir one another up because they're disappointing, you guys. Nobody is better at disappointment than Angela. Oh, everyone is so disappointing to Angela. I identify with her way more than I wish that I did. Her and Monica from Friends. It's very sad. Um, Okay, so relationships are disappointing. Uh, A real-life example of this recently, in my whole life, I wanted to go to a murder mystery party. And so I bought a kit, and I invited like 20 neighbors, and it was a 1980s prom murder mystery. I had scheduled a photographer to take our prom pictures. I got a 1980s prom dress. Um, I bought a lot of expensive food. Um... The food wasn't expensive, like, but like all the food for 20 people ended up being expensive. And I was super pumped. I made everybody have a role that fit their personalities. I sent, like, because everybody comes knowing who they are, what their name is, and like a little bit about their story. Everybody had theirs. It was, it was amazing. Organizing 20 people's schedules to where everyone could be there at the same time, that was an act of God right there. But I did it, and it was great. And then the day before there was like a giant blow up in my group of neighbor friends, which we don't, we're not like drama people. But at this point that we were and a group and two of the women got in such a big fight. There was people were at a, people's houses and we're trying to talk it through. There was tears and there was like, not, I don't want to be friends right now, but like, I'm done being friends with you. It's over. Like a decade of friendship over. And I know I should have been like concerned about that, but I was like, but do you know how much food I have in my house? And they're like, we're not going. So nobody would come to my party because everybody was in a fight. It was so weird and out of character. It was very disappointing. I've still not had the murder mystery party. I still had to eat all that ham by myself. That part wasn't so bad, but anyway, so relationships are disappointing. Um, But I've got to say, though, I hate to bring it back to Jesus all the time, but Jesus was probably pretty disappointed with his relationships. They were the worst, and he picked them, and he knows everything, and they were still the worst. Um, They fell asleep when he asked them to pray. Peter cut off someone's ear. That's a problem. They betrayed him for money. They fought over who got to sit by him in heaven. What are they, like five? What is happening here? So relationships are disappointing for everybody because we're all a bunch of sinners. The hard thing, too, is that you, you may never see the fruit, but our job is just to plant seeds, and we know that, but in the moment, we're like, ugh. It's really hard. Um, the great news is, though, ladies, our hope is not in our relationships. Our hope is in the Lord, okay? What I'm not saying is to keep hanging out with people who are really mean to you. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying is overlook disappointment as much as you can. Proverbs says it's a glory to overlook an offense. And if you've been in a relationship with anyone for any amount of time, you know they will make you glorious. So many chances to be glorious overlooking offenses. So I wanted to let you know, if you go to Watermark, you probably know, but the Conflict Field Guide is a really great practical tip for getting over um, some of the hiccups that can happen in relationships. And I would say also, ask God to, see, to let you see those people like he does. Like he actually likes them. You may not like them, but he likes them. And he's a miracle worker. He can make you like them too. You're not always gonna like everybody all the time, but pray about it and see what you can overlook. Okay, so right now we are going to have a little bit of time to do discussion questions. Um, So, yeah, discuss amongst yourself.
Now it's time for me to talk more. Yay. Okay, so I hope you've had a nice time. We'll have more time to talk later. I wanted to kind of circle back, though, since we're talking about relationships, and talk about what does any of this have to do with you and your parenting, okay? Like, what are we even doing here? So number one, you're in a relationship with your kids. I know that that is kind of obvious, but I forget that my kids are people. I think, like, every single need you have, I have to meet it. Um, And I just forget that they're actually just small human beings. And so um, I see them as, like, barriers to my tasks. I see them as messes to manage sometimes. And so... um, it's just important that when we, we can apply all these things to our relationship with our kids. Um, number two, you are modeling how to have relationships to your kids. Your kids are watching everything you do. And once they start talking, you'll know that because they'll talk about it. Um, and I think that we will, it, I heard a quote that said, kids are great imitators. Give them something great to imitate. Kids are great imitators. Give them something great to imitate. They're going to see you loving people and learn that relationships are important and doing relationships well is important even when it gets hard and messy and uncomfortable. Um, Or they're going to see that relationships are very low priority and they don't really matter. They're going to see one or the other from the way that you live. A third point that helped me realize how much my outside relationships with like grown-ups um, help my parenting is that I've seen my relationships with my community group and my neighbors and everything really improve my parenting. Um, sanctification, which is a fancy word for be, being made more like Christ, it, um, when we are in relationships with other people and they are, you know, they think of like a rock tumbler where you have edges and then you go into a rock tumbler and it comes out all these like smooth rocks. Relationships are kind of like a, a rock tumbler where they kind of help you knock off your rough edges. And when you are more of a smooth rock, you're going to, if you're more like Christ, you're going to be a better parent. Um, and so one, one example is like I had a girl in my community group can't just like she has to process for a long time with like quiet room and a journal the things she wants to say if she's going to come and talk to you about something. And I can just like say it. It's no problem. Um, but she's not like that. And so working with her through that has helped me realize that's also how my daughter is. So if I want to ask her a question, I will like send her to a comfortable place in the house and have her kind of think through it so she can come back and have a fully formed thought. I'm not like that, so I didn't understand that other people could possibly be like that. But now that I've <laughs> had it in my community group, I've realized that that is a way that I can better love my kid. Did you hear that? Okay. Oh, no, I'm just like, <laughs> this is vibrating. <laughs> Maybe it is magic. It's not magic. Okay. Um. Another thing is that community and and my relationships has helped me see that what I just, I'm quick with my words and it can be great, but it can also not be great. Um, I've been called abrasive and abrupt and rude and all these things. And I just think I'm making observations and you're welcome for them. (laughs) But not everybody feels that way. And through community, I've realized maybe I shouldn't say it like that. 
maybe I shouldn't say it at all. So um, my relationships have helped me be a better, um, a better parent. Also, my relationships even with my, so my daughter and I struggle. She would tell you the same thing if she saw you. Um, she's 10, and um, we adopted her when she was older, and that can come with some special circumstances. And, um, and I have friends who, we were homeschooling for a long time, and I love homeschooling, and I was just talking about how much I wish homeschooling had worked for us, um, because I also view it as a failure on my part. Like, I, I'm an educator. I have a master's degree. I should be able to homeschool my kids. It was a dumpster fire. I hated it. I didn't want to get out of bed. They didn't want to get out of bed. Literally, homeschool days, I'd have to drag my kids out of bed at like 9.30, because they were just like, I don't want to play. This is bad. And so, um, anyway, having friends in the public school be like, you know, um, maybe <laughs> this, you know, and so we ended up switching the schooling and I'm not, I think anything you do prayerfully is going to be fantastic for your kids. But um, I would still probably be beating my head against the wall trying to homeschool my kids if my friends hadn't been like, including, I mean, Christian friends and non-Christian friends, all the friends were saying, let's make a new plan for this. <laughs> so that's been helpful. Um, the third point is that your community is going to give you insights into your parenting that you probably couldn't have seen. Like, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. We are so close to their precious little angel baby faces that we can't see what's actually going on. We can't see what they're doing to manipulate us sometimes. We can't see the ways that we're falling short and how we're contributing to the disaster that is happening in our homes and in some relationships. Um, maybe it's just me in my home that's a disaster, but, you know, sometimes there's special moments. Um, one thing in our community group, when I will bring things to my, to my community group and I'm upset about a situation with my kids, um, I have one community group member who is a homicide detective, um, and he gives me great perspective when I think my children are about to go to the jail. He helps me realize they're actually not, and here's an example of an actual problem, you know, and so that's really helpful. <laughs> um, and also, one time... When somebody drew a Harry Potter scar, one of my children, on a brand new piece of furniture I had, I had him interrogate them in such a nice way. Um, so it's really helpful. Anyway, neither one of them broke, so I might really be raising criminals. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. Um, another thing is in my community group, I have a high school teacher who's really great at giving me um, perspective on adolescence and attitudes and how to manage them and things like that. Um, and so it's just so helpful to have people around to speak into what you've got going on with your kids. Um, I just want to say, though, that some of us can feel guilted into it or just put guilt on ourselves that if somebody speaks with authority into our parenting, that that means we need to take it. I call bologna sandwich on that. Yeah. You do not need to listen to everybody who says something about your parenting. Stop it. You need to have people around you who love the Lord, who are seeking his wisdom, who love you. They've shown you that by their actions. Those are the people that you can invite in. Everybody's going to have something to say about your parenting. So, so be wise. So be wise. Um, and then finally, your community might connect better with your kids than you do at a certain season. And right now, if your kids are little, you think, oh, no, never. It's going to be amazing always. It really might not be. It, let me take some of the wind out of your sails. That it might not always be as great as it is right now. And so um, 
I surround my, my daughter, especially with as many godly women as I can, hoping that something will rub off on her that she will see because right now, for whatever reason, and it's driving me to my knees in prayer and it's been so, so good and God is using it, but she's not hearing it from me. And so um, we need other people around to be additional models. I remember when I was little, my mom would always tell me, I had really, really, really long hair because she wanted long hair, so I wasn't allowed to cut my hair. It's fine. It's a whole nother situation. (laughs) So I had really long hair and brushing it, I would start from the top with all my four-year-old wisdom. Um, And it would just be terrible. And and she would always tell me, start from the bottom. Well, little miss, whatever my preschool teacher's name was, told me to start from the bottom. And I came home, I'm like, mom, I have figured out. My teacher told me. And she was so mad. She's like, I've been telling you that. So anyway, get as many godly women around your kids as possible so that when they say something that you've been saying, it'll actually stick. Um, so in closing, there's a lot of reasons um, why we have to stir one another up and we, why we have to spur each other on. And it's because it all takes effort and it really is inconvenient and hard. Um, and then when you add kids in, it gets more inconvenient and disappointing and awkward when you add kids into the mix. Um, but I hope I've given you enough reasons um, that it's worth it. This is all, all worth it. And you will be a better person and they will be a better person and everybody will be more like Christ, Lord willing, and it will be good. And I just also wanna say, sometimes you're the one that's awkward and inconvenient. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's you. It can't always, it can't just be us in here that get it, right? So, so we gotta understand that sometimes we're the one that is disappointing to other people. So... Um, Anyway, so when it's awkward, I hope you remember that you have an opportunity to trust God and he left the Holy Spirit as our helper. So let's, let's make use of that resource. When it's inconvenient, please remember that our king was terribly inconvenienced on our behalf, like way more than you've ever been inconvenienced by your wood floor being ripped up. And when it's disappointing, remember that our hope that cannot be taken is in Christ. It's not in our relationships with our neighbors or our community group or our kids. That's hard. That's a hard one. We assume that it's, a, it's an equation. And if we put in the work and we pray and we do all the right things and we do the flashcards and we read a certain amount of classics to them and all the things happen, it'll be great. They eat all organic. Why is this not going well? Um, but it is not a, it's not a formula. And sometimes God uses them as a means of grace in your life to break you. And so and I, that wasn't what I meant to say. I mean, I didn't plan to say that, but that's what's happening in my life with my daughter. And so I'm realizing though, like God is good and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't end things in, in a shambles. So if it's not good, it's not the end. And so let's just be encouraged by that with our relationships. Um, that is everything that I have. So let's talk about some more discussion questions you're hurting. Um, I hope you guys were encouraged today by uh, Emily. And I, you know, I was thinking through like, okay, I feel like I could go plan a party. The bridesmaids thing sounds really awesome. I'm probably going to do that. And then maybe the clean out the fridge thing. And then I need to ask questions. And so just think, what is one thing can you take away from today? And so for me, it's the whole there you are, not here I am concept. And just when you're, you know, seeing someone, just praying like, God, help me to see this person like you do and ask questions. 
So if I talk to you afterwards, I'm going to be asking you <laughs> questions because I'm going to be acting more like Jesus. So, um, but anyways, uh, so let me pray. And then we're going we're gonna to have the mentor moms up front. And you guys, we have awesome mentor moms. So please come up. We have 20 minutes until you have to go pick up your kids from training ground. So please come up, introduce yourself to the mentor moms. They are here to encourage you. They can meet with you outside of here. You can call them and ask them what to do. This, this happened to me. So my child would not wear the wristband at the pool. And I talked to a mentor mom. This was a couple summers ago. And I'm like, oh, every time he's throwing a fit, he won't wear the wristband. Y'all, she talked me through what to say to him, to get him to wear the wristband, and then also, you know, for my little mom heart to realize, you know, some things that I needed to realize in that whole situation. Um, So anyways, just come talk to them. They are here um, to love and support us. So let me pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your design for relationships, and that um, because of Jesus, we are able to have relationship with you, God. And I just thank you for relationships with other people, and that even though they are awkward and uncomfortable and inconvenient, God, that um, you would just give us strength to move past that. Help us to see others like you do, Lord, to love them well and to allow others to love us too. Amen.